lecture sixteen part three of the groundwork of the christian virtues by william bernard ullathorne this librivox recording is in the public domain lecture sixteen on humility as the counterpart of charity part three let us now come to rule the whole secret of self-management is in two simple principles the motive of the will and the action of the will for the will is the seat of charity the first thing is to keep the will to the right motive to the simplest the purest the highest the best this can be nothing but the love of god which contains all other good motives as pure light contains all colors keep to this motive foster this motive be humble for this motive cherish it by thinking of it with affection impulse is not motive it is the base intrusion of cupidity look to your motive and impulse will drop motive is seen in the light of god when the will deviates to lower motives quietly bring it back if a selfish motive gets mixed with a pure motive you will know it by its causing trouble and disquiet clear it away by concentrating the heart on the true motive and peace will return for the best way to clear off the mixture of inferior motive is to transcend it to rise above it by redoubling the devotion of the will to the will and love of god and nothing holds the will to its divine motive so effectually as the frequent aspiration of that motive within the soul which in time becomes the easiest and sweetest of all exercises the second principle is the exercise of the will upon which all virtue depends it is a great thing to do our best and with our best judgment on all occasions this makes the will habitually vigorous and wise but it requires the keeping up the will above the inferior nature neither attending to its languors nor listening to its excuses and complaints do this and your inferior nature will learn submission and you will get into the habit of freedom a wise man of the world watches over his external conduct the wise man of god watches over the interior conduct of his will right motive will keep the will right and when that motive is charity the will does wonders those who first give themselves with ardour to the service of god have generally what saint benedict calls the fervour of novices god gives them an ardour and an unction to win them to his love and service but as they are far as yet from being purified in their affections this works in them in a mixed way for the providence of grace consults their weakness and draws them partly by the cords of charity and partly by the cords of adam they are still much in themselves and in their own sensibilities and this new wine of charity brings them a new and delightful experience that not only inebriates the spirit but flows into the imagination and takes hold of the natural sensibilities the consequence is that there is much sense of self as well as of god and enjoyment of self as well as of god 
and whoever is experienced in the ways of souls will see that like the movement of a pendulum there is a constant vibration of the affections of the will between self and god which is betrayed not only in much self-ignorance but in a diversity of failures and indiscretions as a general fact this first fervour is less a love of god in god than a love of god in self but after a certain period this fervour with its ferment of self-love comes to an end and a period is ordained for probation purification and self-knowledge this is a time of labour a time also for gaining true humility that the soul may be prepared for a purer gift of charity to this period we may apply the words of moses to the israelites the lord your god trieth you that it may appear whether you love him with all your heart and with all your soul or not deuteronomy chapter thirteen verse three the former sweet attractive grace is changed to a grace of support divested of sensibility and the light of justice is left in the soul without the light of consolation then that soul finds out her weakness and her self-love and the failings that spring from them all of which in her fervour she never dreamed yet that weakness was there and that self-love even during the inebriation of fervour though the soul was little conscious of their presence imagining great things above her strength but now that soul finds out how much she is still inclined to herself though but recently she seemed to soar on wings and how much there is in her to purify and set in order the desire of god was enkindled in her fervour and that desire remains when the fervour is gone but now god shows her how much it will cost to gain perfect humility and detachment that she may adhere to god with the whole heart and will this is the critical time in the spiritual life requiring great fortitude and perseverance in humble ways the one point of difficulty is this the fear of leaving oneself the way to which has yet to be learnt for in that first fervour so dear to memory there was as we have said a considerable mixture of natural sensibility and the soul still seeks in herself what can only be found in god the will still clings on one side to self with the sort of dread that to lose one's sense of self is to lose everything and is unable as yet to distinguish a certain pious sense of self so to speak from the sense of god but it is a long way from self to god and those who cling to their own house will never make the journey the venture must be made with faith and made with sacrifice this is the reason why the old experienced fathers of the desert attach so much importance to the giving up one's will with reverence to the wise it trains the soul to quit her self-love and to abandon self for god our lord has told us the solemn truth he that shall save his life shall lose it and he that shall lose his life for me shall save it st luke chapter nine verse twenty four 
our true life is not in ourselves but in god we must lose to gain we must detach the will from oneself to attach it to god as long as the heart is divided between self and god there will be nothing but an unpeaceful swinging of the will backwards and forwards between god and self so that no great advancement is gained no solid rest found no decided peace obtained but the heart detached from self feels the eternal life rests in it with peace and adheres with constancy to god after all that laborious humility an infused humility inspires contempt and dread of the fascinating love of self and gratitude is given to god and nothing to self the pure love of god indifferent to all changes of mood in oneself is not only charity but humility and when a soul reaches this charity of humility and humility of charity she will understand these words of st francis of sales all that is not god of god in god for god or according to god should appear to us as nothing and even cause in us a sense of horror but there is a more subtle and profound combination of humility with charity in those who are advancing in the perfection of the love of god a combination that demonstrates their wonderful strength as the soul approaches near to god for besides the mortification of the passions there is a more secret and difficult abnegation of self-love and self-will which should be continuous because it is not the beginning but the progress and completion of that humility and charity which perfect the soul this abnegation proceeds from the knowledge and sense of the might majesty charity and will of god it submits the inmost soul to god and makes her love her own abjection and contempt desiring nothing more and caring for nothing so much as to break down her own will and inclinations so as if possible to destroy the roots of evil and the opposition to god within her this has been so well explained from the experience and teaching of the saints and the devoutly learned by father rossignoli that we shall chiefly follow his exposition it is certain that we belong to god and not to ourselves that he has all rights over us and that we have no rights against his will if our will is in our own power it is so given us that we may freely subject it to the law of the supreme wisdom and goodness and may surrender it wholly to him that he may dispose of us as he sees best for our final good and to the glory of his grace we may ask then is it better that god should guide our will to him by consolations or by afflictions and the fathers and saints reply it is better that god should draw us to him through things against our will than through things that allure and soothe the will for these are the most holy and such as we should not seek for our own sake but only for the sake of god such are the external trials of poverty contempt ignominy and things of that kind 
such are the internal and greater trials of desolation severe temptations distress of heart mental darkness anxiety of mind and things of this kind which make life bitter for to be conversant and to be exercised in them for the quieting of our will is far better for us than the contrary good so long as with our will we adhere to god let not the proficient then prepare for ease and pleasure but rather for internal afflictions let him not look for peace in himself but for peace in the will of god and he may look securely for that peace however much tossed upon the floods of perturbation the reason for this assertion is that the chief ground of merit before god is the abnegation of self-esteem and self-love for the exercise of which adversity is more helpful than prosperity whether that adversity be external and from the world or internal and from the soul for the repressing of self-esteem the knowledge of our vileness is needful and although this knowledge comes from god's illuminating the mind and is so given to the blessed yet it is best suited to us who are travelling through this world when it is born of experience as god has not the design of destroying but of perfecting our nature he would have us to know our vileness from experience and to make good use of this experience when for example we find our will repugnant to the will of god and it is consequently unquiet we see clearly what is in us of our own and what from god we see what is of our own in the turbid movements against the will of god but what is of god is that strength by which we refuse to consent to them that mental darkness also and that dryness of heart and that affliction of spirit all are our own whilst from god are the gifts that dispel them as the winds carry away the clouds nor does god leave these things in us unjustly because we have deserved for our crimes to have the whole cup of wrath and bitterness poured upon us but we only receive a sprinkled drop when we are permitted to be afflicted if we fly from that drop of bitterness we unjustly fly the justice of god through an immoderate self-love for we have been rescued from great evils and have been reconciled to god through the blood of his son and have to be dealt with in a different way than might have been the case if we had never been aliens from god or had never had a source of corruption in us we must therefore bear the branding of vexation and calamity and feel that the hand of the lord is upon us and that we are stricken from heaven and crucified though less by far than we deserve from this we rise to greater reverence and awe of the majesty of god and so take his visitations in good part knowing them to come from his mercy and love for in short spiritual prosperity is apt to blind the soul as well as temporal prosperity and much much more for there inflation creeps in without observation and injures more secretly and as the soul is more noble by nature than all bodily things she is more easily inflated by spiritual prosperity 
to forget her nothingness whilst the old self-love and the sense of having been freed from our old iniquities serve the cause of lucifer in fixing us in our own esteem these desolations and miseries break the nerves of self-love and root them from the heart they compel us to cling to god from the very consciousness of having no other strength or relief and all the time they endure they are teaching us what depraved propensities and corruptibilities exist in us this excites one to hatred and contempt of oneself inspires us with disgust and indignation and leads us to reproach persecute and punish that mean and disgraceful disposition that is ever inclined to oppose the generous designs of god and even to take possession of his precious gifts and make them the subject of self-elation for the delight that flows from sweetness of spirit and gives so much satisfaction is apt to foster self-love more even than its own allurements because it may then feed on more precious food and so like mercenary servants we are apt to seek the gifts of god more than god himself so we are left to bitterness and desolation until we gain the habit of loving god for his own sake and not merely for his gifts and until the soul is weaned from her attachments to whatever within her is less than god and the sovereign will of god by this discipline the soul is both purified and fortified and prepared for the grace of perfect charity but this should also be observed that although we ought to prosecute our sins with undying hatred because of their aversion to god and because they are sins yet in so far as they bring us to the knowledge of ourselves make us vile in our own eyes and break down that self-esteem and pride which caused them god draws this good out of their evil as he draws light out of darkness on the other hand when we take a selfish delight in our good acts and flatter our nature on their account though they may not alienate us from god they will not join us to god so long then as the vessel of our heart is not well purified from the lees and dregs of self-love it is not good for us to have much increase of illumination consolation or freedom from temptation lest like some low vain person raised to sudden affluence we should become intolerable to our divine benefactor let the proficient rather strive for a calm indifference to all but god himself and leave it to his divine wisdom to give her the gifts he sees best for her condition whether to change her self-love into humility or to perfect her charity for although the soul acts with greater promptitude in the service of god when possessed of inward light and fervour and for this reason these consoling gifts may be desired and magnified yet it is more perfect to be able to love god and do his will without the promptness inspired by them then the will is stronger and more forcible in its virtue when it acts against inward repugnance and with difficulty just as it is easy to go down with the stream 
but requires much vigour to pull against the stream and by exerting that vigour the powers are strengthened we must therefore clear away from the mind two errors that stand much in the way of conformity to the will and guidance of god the first is to imagine that merit before god consists in facility of will even though that canker of all merit self-love and self-elation should be hidden in that will and even though the more difficult way is comparatively or altogether free from them and therefore produces the real harvest of merit before god for this reason the most loving god who desires what is best for us does not leave his friends in ease and comfort long but excites draws and leads them on to himself through many difficulties in heaven his sons and servants are united with him so intimately that he beatifies them eternally and they repose on him in a torrent of joy but on earth he exacts of them a service and submission perfect indeed and most pleasing to him yet full of trial and perturbation the other error which the proficient must correct and which is often fashioned in the imagination is the desire of seeking a quiet and private life exempt from cares and troubles and from inward discomforts as well desiring this against all the facts of god's providence and against his obvious will for he scarcely leaves his greatest friends without troubles in this life but loves to manifest his power in guiding their vessel through all tempests into the secure port of final rest being great and potent he prepares the souls of his friends for great and arduous works and through their internal conflicts he strengthens the habits of their souls for as st paul found power is perfected in infirmity 2 corinthians chapter 12 verse 9 and as the rewards of god are not due to those habits but to their acts he gives them much work to do that their reward may be great and ample for what god loves in our love is the generosity which forgets the love of self in his service such was the love of st paul who desired to spend and be spent in the service of his divine master careless what he suffered so that the knowledge and love of god might be increased in himself and in the world to these instructions we must add two more which are of great importance the first is never to anticipate but to follow the leading of the providence of god if we anticipate the order of divine providence we put our own will in place of the will of god this was the severe reproach on the false prophets i sent them not neither have i commanded them nor have i spoken to them jeremiah chapter fourteen verse four the reason is yet stronger why we should never run before but only follow the light and grace of god for fidelity to grace is obedience to grace and no sacrifice is pleasing to god which contains our own will our lord did not tell us to go before him but to follow after him and the prophet says 
it is good to wait with silence for the salvation of god lamentations chapter three verse twenty six nature is excitable impatient hasty and indeliberate the help of god is calm patient and given in due season according as he sees best for us to rush in where god has not invited us or to aim at wonders above ourselves is to yield to the excitable impulsion of nature but to follow the divine leading of grace in humility and obedience is to act within the order of the divine gifts the second instruction of very great importance is this the hour of prayer is the special hour of grace but god gives his grace to the humble the beginning of prayer should therefore be in the profoundest exercise of humility and reverence of which the soul is capable nor should time be spared in obtaining this interior position of humble recollection and sense of our nothingness in the presence of the eternal majesty as well as the entire opening and subjection of our spirit to the divine operations of the spirit of god remember that we live and have our being in god that his light and grace are everywhere present with him and that the only obstacles to their communication are the external obstacle of our corruptible body and the internal obstacle of self-love and pride but we are in god as the bird is in the air and the fish in the water and humility opens our communication with his gifts get your heart as near to god as you can with profound subjection that you may feel his life and not your own nature remember also that gratitude is the final expression and as it were the perfect fruit of humility we will now conclude this volume with a summary of what it contains expressed mostly in the language of a very eminent theologian in no other way can our weak and changeable nature be brought to the unchangeable condition of solid good than by virtue and justice it is by the virtues that rest upon the force of divine grace that we are restored to the form of that divine image which touches upon the unchangeable eternity of god and which gives us a spiritual likeness to god and when that likeness is perfected in our life we keep all temporal and changeable things beneath our feet by the christian virtues we become spiritual and immaterial and put off the corruption of matter from our soul to put on the incorruptibility of spirits the virtues give us stability of mind and will this stability is derived by gift from the eternal stability and by the force of this stability we are neither lifted up in prosperity nor cast down in adversity neither swelled with pride in the one state of our affections nor sunk into despondency in the other but either anticipate the alternation of our thoughts and imaginations and the tempest of the passions or disregard them altogether for the divine virtues lift us into a calm region above these things the fall of man brought us upon a false and treacherous foundation 
pride took us away from god as our foundation and set us upon no better foundation than ourselves all the miseries of the human race have come of no other cause than the striving to rest upon this false and fictitious foundation and the endeavouring to produce the fruits of happiness from this poor and barren soil what the christian religion has done is to restore us to our true foundation and this is effected by the virtue of humility the special gift of christ the virtue of which is to open our eyes to the false foundation on which we have striven in vain to rest our immortal souls and to transfer us by the act of our will to that divine foundation from which all our strength and good is derived but as our false foundation is below and our true foundation is the god above us we can only adhere to his supreme excellence by subjection the lord is my firmament says the psalmist and my refuge psalm seventeen verse three and when we have truly surrendered our trust in ourselves and have justly subjected our nature to god he enters our souls with his charity and we become the loving children of god through the divine force which charity gives the christian virtues we are brought from much division to a state of unity evil is multiform and the vices are many presenting as many faces under as many masks as the number of evil affections that we cherish but the christian virtues by their very nature tend to one and to fix us to that one and that one is the love of god above all things and through that one they unite us with the divine unchangeable and eternal god whosoever has good hold of this one virtue or rather is held by this virtue of charity quits the shadows of things comes to the one true substance and leaves the smoke of the vices to vanish when therefore we begin to cultivate this virtue we begin truly to be and to take the way to unchangeable being for the reason of this virtue is unchangeable its form is everlasting and it partakes of the eternal justice this virtue is a certain adhesion to god and so long as it rests on god it is unchangeable god is the first the infinite the perfect virtue and whosoever receives the light of god and entertains the grace of the virtues hath god for his guest in the home of his soul and his interior is already gifted with the joyful sense of immortal life the pleasures of sense are brief transient and corruptible because they are the good of the corruptible body but virtue is eternal and incorruptible because it is the good of the incorruptible soul among many sublime proofs that god is one and immutable one is founded on the fact that the nearer a soul approaches to god the more she finds that she becomes united in herself and the less exposed to change except in her growth to greater and more unchangeable good but this is only known by the sincere lovers of god the end end of lecture sixteen part three end of 
the groundwork of the christian virtues by william bernard ullathorne